Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good. I mean, it's another sour day for Oilers fans. Eh? The Oilers giving away another third period lead and then get beat in overtime by, you know, a team that hasn't been having a lot of success uh, this year, the New York Islanders. So it's the same as yesterday. In some ways, it's kind of worse. <laughs> the Oilers gave up, um, what was the grading shots today, Bruce? 17 to 10, I think. The nine was, I think. 17 now. to nine for the grade A shots. So the Islanders, the Islanders took it to the Oilers in this game. And not even at overtime could Edmonton get anything going, really. They just, um, they were flat and they got outplayed. And uh, they did get a loser point. Bruce, their second loser point, two loser points. So you can look at it. They went into these two games and they split them on the road. Not a disaster in terms of points, getting points. But kind of a bad feeling around this team right now. And lots of acrimony, upset, constipation <laughs> among Oiler fans in regards to this. Consternation, at least, yes. I'd say both. Yeah, Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, so let's do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast about Edmonton's 3-2 loss to the New York Islanders. What is your good thing, Bruce? To the to the last place, New York Islanders, eighth in the Metropolitan Division, one day after they lost to the seventh place New Jersey Devils. Yeah. You could say split. To me, it's a split if they got a, if they got win one of the two in, in overtime, but... They're just treading water on the standings. These were by far the two easiest games on the on the road trip. Anyway, uh, my good thing, uh, such as it is, I thought the uh, I, I thought the bottom six was okay, and I I like the look of the line of Ryan McLeod between Warren Fogle and your favorite Kyle Turris, who uh, um, I, I thought they controlled the play pretty good. They had uh, uh, puck in. Uh, uh, Islanders territory a lot more than most of the Oilers did, and in fact uh, they had uh, four shots on net to just two against in almost 12 minutes. Like they 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 gave up nothing, and they you know they couldn't score, but they uh, they came uh, close a couple times. And during one sort of crossover shift where McDavid played center, uh, there was a great chance uh, tourists set him up for that McDavid missed the net and then Fogel set him up from behind the net McDavid a second time and he pounded one in on goal and they were uh, uh, at least attacking the net one time. If, if I have a criticism of Ryan McLeod's game. It's that he does not attack the net. And we saw some of that in overtime when he got lots of ice time and he spent a fair bit of it with the puck on his stick but not actually doing anything with it. There was and, a moment there, wasn't there, where he just clearly... There was had a lane. Shoot. Yeah. Well, shoot or charge, big boy. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. a big version of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. Like, yeah, good point. Stop, stop with the perimeter play. Bruce, yeah. I agree with you on this line. It it was it was okay. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't. It was okay in the fact that they um, they didn't they, create any grade A yeah. shots, but they didn't give up any grade A shots. They actually they did. When Fogel was out there with McDavid, he made a great play um, where he won the puck behind the net and passed it out front to McDavid for a, a hellacious chance. Would have been nice to see McDavid score on that one, but that right uh, after Juris had set McDavid up and he backhanded one just by the post, 
So not a chance by our uh, counts, but well, not a good look because not a shot. Yeah, not a shot. But that that McLeod is looking good out there, but he's looking good in that perimeter style of play. He's looking at he's looking increasingly at home in the NHL. He he is new to the league. It takes a while for players to get adjusted, and he's he at least he looks better and better. He's not getting res, the results yet necessarily, although he's he had a couple assists the last game, so that was <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> that was something. So yeah, maybe there were, there are a few results, but he he's he's starting to fit in, and you're starting to think well. Just maybe he's going to be a contributing member of this team in the bottom six, which is exactly what they're so desperate for um, on this franchise. And he's a great big guy, but again, he doesn't play a physical game. And and I don't know if that's in his repertoire, but it, it should be to take the puck hard to the net, you know, to, to drive that puck to the net. I like Fogel's game a lot. Like he's the kind of big rough guy, big rough winger that the Oilers really needed in their bottom six and he did stand out Bruce my good thing is the goal second goal by the Edmonton Oilers first goal was nice too you know it's nice to see a goal going off someone's skate that was good uh from the other team but um a lot happened right on the Oilers second goal and uh second and last goal starting with McDavid just getting in the getting that puck wheeling up from behind the net taking it into the slot now that's you know watch that Ryan McLeod he's no bigger than you are um he might be a bit faster but not much he's a lot better with the puck but he he could do that Ryan McLeod could make that play now and then and McDavid just he just he he does it uh, you know again and again and again because he's not he's big fast and he's also fearless you have to uh, you know I have to give McDavid credit for that he just he goes for it constantly you know risking getting absolutely plastered with hits including dirty hits and making plays like that so he takes it into the slot and who's there to start banging away at it with a fury but Zach Hyman who has been a great acquisition for the Edmonton Oilers again along with Fogel just the kind of forward they need a, a big body guy who's willing to who works hard smart defensively and is willing to hit in the corners I like both these players a lot Hyman especially has been great and on that play he uh, got one where he jammed it on net and then the next one I think he was trying to pass it to pull Yarvey in the slot um, he didn't actually get a shot he tried to pass it to, to uh, Yessa but it went past pull Yarvey hit it hit a player in the skate and rebounded to Darnell Nurse who was crashing the net, right? They were all crashing that. Pull Yarvey was crashing that. Hyman, McDavid, all of them. And um, because of that, when Darnell Nurse unleashed a shot, Jesse Pull Yarvey was right in the way of it to screen the goalie. The goalie didn't have a chance, and it was a goal. Fantastic play by everyone. And, and again, brings to mind the, the famous, the story that Murdoch Davis likes to tell us about being at Oilers practice. And Glenn Sather com- constantly yelling at the players get to the fracking net and he didn't use the word fracking get to the fracking net get to the fracking net and it's what the Oilers have got to do to score some goals here they got to do it more and this this line has all the components to do it and manufacture even strength goals so um they did it there good for them Islanders got two of their goals by going hard to the net Big Andrews Lee, man, that guy's a handful, eh? And uh, no, nobody on the Oilers could handle him today. Yeah. And that's, uh, boy, it would be nice to get a player like that. Well, Hyman's kind of like, like he's got, he bit. doesn't have those hands, quite those hands, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, they could trade for Evan, Evander Kane 
Uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> He's that kind of player. Uh, you know, if Al Davis was running the team, they'd, they'd say just win, baby, and they'd trade for him. But Al Davis isn't running the team and probably would be, would be uh, kicked out of uh, the century if he was in it still. All right. Um, your bad thing, Bruce. My bad thing is the 2-2 goal early in the third and specifically the poor play of Slater Cuckoo on that goal where uh, uh, New York was coming through the center zone on a, on a standard rush. Uh, Cuckoo was probably 15 feet, had a decent gap, sort of 15 feet behind the uh, the guy that eventually beat him. Uh, the puck got dumped behind Cuckoo into the corner. Uh, and his job there, I mean, he had enough of a head start. His job there is to turn, uh, get to the puck, move the puck. And he just was slow in responding to it. He took a bad route to the puck. By the time he got there, he was still first, but the guy was on his tail. He tried to uh, straddle the puck along the boards and saw it off which it should have been his puck in the first place. By then it was getting closer to a 50-50 puck. And then he cleanly lost that battle. He just got stripped of the puck and the guy just brought it right out in front of the net. And uh, chaos and eventually the 2-2 ensued from that. And it just, it was just a chance that came out of nothing because a routine play was not executed by the Oilers defenseman. And, you know, in the NHL, if you're trying to hold a one-goal lead in the third period, you got to execute those routine plays. And it just didn't happen there. And it was, uh, uh, it was, uh, it was poor. And uh, it was uh, early in the third. And you think Edmonton's got lots of time to bounce back. But they had no gas in the tank. It didn't seem like in the third, after a very strong second, they had, they had nothing left. And that, uh, that lead didn't last long. And it was because, largely because of that one one week sequence and i mean tyson barry wasn't able to cut out the pass in front of the net but by the time barry had anything to do with it the puck had went from a, a non-threatening position to a very threatening position and that was mainly on cuckoo yeah barry's in a tough spot like we give players primary mistakes you know major mistakes on grade a shots against when you're in the slot like tyson barry was and you fail to make the play but by then he he you know he is in a hard spot. There's all kinds of stuff happening, players buzzing around, and it's the initial play that's almost always it's the initial mistake, which is always the primary, the, the most important mistake. And I didn't notice that. I, I knew I could see that you were really mad at Cuckoo uh, from some of your comments on our <laughs> shared we, which we eliminate, like we edit it as we go along. So no one else sees these comments that you and I make as the game goes along. But there was a few, there, I could see your exasperation. And I didn't quite get it, but it just in terms of your description, now I I can see why you're, you're mad. Because I, I, I miss. I just kind of went quick, I was looking quickly, like the play, like when he had the puck. But you're mad right. about before that, like his line to the puck, getting there fast. And that's such a crucial play in hockey. Yeah. Get back there, get that puck. And they're always, you know... Working with the defenseman on that. So if he was slow on that, I can get your. I see why you're listing this as your bad thing, Bruce. I agree that is a very bad thing, if a defenseman is lazy in in getting back to that puck. I wouldn't say lazy. He just didn't read it very well, and he just you know he just wasn't slow then quick yeah. enough. And so he turned to what should have been an easily won puck into a battle, and then he badly lost the battle. Yeah, he, the guy came out of it with the puck, and you know he didn't take the man or the puck. In the end, the guy came right out from the corner with it. Yeah, 
lazy yeah. implies this state of mind that I don't know that he had. So you're right. right. It's not a it's not a good word. It's more like he, he was slow to the puck. And we don't know why. No. It could be a, <laughs> any number of reasons. So I'm tempted, Bruce. It's it's a quandary uh, what my bad thing is going to be. I was thinking of Evan Bouchard, who's in another defensive slump and is leaking, <laughs> leaking grade A sh- uh, shots against right now. And I, I'm going to say it's not a coincidence that whoever whoever of the right shot demon who gets promoted to the top pairing, whether it's Tyson Berry or Evan Bouchard, starts to really struggle defensively. Darnell Nurse can hang in there in that difficult role. It is a very tough thing to do. It's play top minutes. And both... Both Barry and Bouchard got their defensive games together when they were demoted to the third pairing, moved down the lineup against lesser competition. And the second they're moved up again, all of a sudden, voila, they start to just, you know, make mistake after mistake. And that's what we're seeing from from Evan Bouchard right now. But I really, I'm going to go instead with the overtime goal. I really didn't like it on a number of levels. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if McDavid and Drysaddle and Nurse were out, how long they were on the ice for that, but... In the last two games, we've seen some overtime. You know, I don't, and again, I don't know what their marching orders are, but when I when mm-hmm. I start to sense Drysaddle and McDavid have been out there already for 60, 70 seconds, and one of them is charging in with the puck to the zone and the other one goes with them on the offensive attack, I think, why are you doing this? Don't you understand that, that this could have really negative repercussions? That you do have, a, you, your superstars, you have a chance to score. Sometimes it works out. But just more often than not, you're going to get caught on a dangerous chance against because you're too tired. And this happened this game early in the game where they didn't come off when I thought when there was opportunity to. Don't think it happened on the winning goal, though. I'm pretty sure that they had only been they were fairly freshly out on the ice, but maybe maybe not. In any case, uh, McDavid um, was slow to close down the gap in the neutral zone, which leads to. The Islanders just charging fast right into the Oilers zone, like no one on them, no one, no one blocking their way. And then Nurse uh, gives up the blue line as well and um, gives the outside shot. The shot was kind of started at the top of the circles when he was winding up. And uh, <clears throat> so you could say high slot. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Koskinen had a clear view of that shot. It was a hell of a shot. He really picked the corner. It was a hell of a shot. That said, if a, a goalie on a, <coughs> a good goalie on a winning team, he will make that save. <coughs> he will stop that shot. It won't go in. And it <coughs> maybe it's a grade A shot, but NHL goalies have got to stop three out of four grade A shots. Koskinen didn't have it. A big shot at a big moment. And it was it was just really disappointing that, that he couldn't come up big in that moment. So yeah, Drysaddle actually wasn't on the ice for the game winner. Second day in a row, it was on McDavid's watch and not on uh, Drysaddle was on the bench. <coughs> yeah, he shifted off Damo. He That's shifted right. off, Damo came on. But really, I, you know, I thought neither McDavid nor Nurse was aggressive. As the puck came into the zone, Nurse kind of backed off and McDavid, I don't know if he was looking for a second player or a trailer or something, because it looked like he could have challenged the puck carry and he left him to Nurse and Nurse kind of left him to Koskinen, and and Dobson made uh, made a wicked shot. Kind of interesting that New York is happy to use Noah Dobson in overtime uh, in the NHL when his exact draft contemporary Evan Bouchard. I don't think he's gotten a shift in overtime that I can remember. 
like it's just like the Oilers have a different level of of uh, of trust in their player. I mean, Bouchard, think how deadly he could be in a three-on-three situation with his range of skills. He could win you the game the way Noah Dobson did win it for New York today. So anyway, that that's, that's just an aside, but it's, uh, yeah. It's a good observation because um, Evan Bouchard is as good an offensive player, if not better than Noah Dobson. Yep. And um, you can say at five-on-five five against tough competition, he's iffy, but on three-on-three, I, I really like Evan Bouchard's chances. Um, it's like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He is a fantastic special teams player mm-hmm. and a mediocre even strength player. But when you have these players who thrive in these special situations when there's fewer players on the ice, use them. Yeah. Take advantage of that skill set. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Darnell Nurse is a fantastic hockey player. I'm, I, I, I'm glad he's out there in overtime, but I sure wouldn't mind seeing Evan Bouchard myself, so... Yeah, good observation. So we got um, our numbers. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the number zero. Number of power plays the Edmonton Oilers had in this game. And uh, my auxiliary number is two, which is the number of power plays the Oilers have had on the entire road trip. And I'm starting to get pretty choked at some of these non-calls that are going on out there. And uh, today in particular, I, I became enraged late in the first period uh, when Tyson Berry uh, letting go a one-time shot from the slot was basically cross-checked in the head by Matthew Barzil. It's kind of a reaction play by Barzil. He saw the collision come. He brought a stick up and he nailed Barry and Barry went down. And he went to the bench and he was clearly, clearly taking a hit right in the head. Somehow the refs missed that. And somehow they missed every other single thing that New York Islanders did. And at 64 minutes, a pretty hard checking aggressive hockey. I mean, I admire the way the Islanders play, but you cannot tell me that they can play an entire game without committing in a single infraction. And yet they called a cheap one on McDavid early and they called a fairly late one that I thought Section 106 called on Darnell Nurse uh, in the immediate play after they missed the Barry headshot. And that, of course, led to New York opening the scoring on the power play. And then they put their whistles away, and there was nothing else. Like In overtime, uh, a guy skated right through the blue blue paint and decked Koskinen. And sure, Miko moved, but you're not allowed to skate through the blue paint. And Wes McCauley, supposedly the best referee in the NHL, is looking right at it and saying, okay, well, I guess if you're on New York Islanders and you're playing the Oilers, it's okay. Are you allowed to move in front of the player, though? Well, the guy's not supposed to go through the blue paint. That's the goalie's face. Yeah, I'm not sure, oh. Bruce. I, that that one, like, I, like when I first saw it, I thought definite. Like, how did that happen? Then you mm-hmm. see it again, and you see Koskin and move out to block his path. Well, so he's, sure he's protecting his space, and the guy has to go around him because he's not allowed to go through the blue paint. Well, I guess today he was. See, uh, Koskin was barking at the ref, and you don't see that very often. Uh, anyway, it was. Uh, it was uh, kind of, kind of uh, another one of those days. Now on this road trip, the Oilers have played now three games. They've had two power plays, and the other teams had eight. Two to eight. Now I, I grant you that it's not like 50-50 every game, but geez, how about a you know, how about a call once in a damn while? Seriously. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we just never see the Oilers in that power play game state anymore, do we? 
Just That's power play in the league. Well, chance. we can stop that. Nothing to see here. David got hit like somebody said five seconds after he touched the puck. A very late hit on McDavid. No problem. Uh, so please, <sighs> I'm my, fed up with it. Yeah, I see that. I don't blame <laughs> you. I don't blame you. I guess I'm just inured to it. Well, I want my team to have a fair chance, you know, like a fair chance. Yeah. And that power play, they just, power play goal changes everything for the Oilers. Well, or for the so Islanders, as in this case. Yeah. You know, they got those two chances. And, I mean, they had a good power play. They nearly scored on their first power play. And they quickly scored on their second one. And suddenly the Oilers, power, suddenly the Oilers penalty kill seems out of sync. Yeah. <clears throat> it's getting, it's starting to let in lots of, they seem to be chasing the puck at the wrong moment and not winning it. And then that leads to a good shot and. My my um, number is a series of grade A shot numbers in the, on this road trip. The Oilers had were outshot on grade A shots, scoring chance shots. They go in about twenty five to thirty percent of the time. Um, Seventeen to eleven by the Blues. Mm-hmm. Eighteen to uh, sixteen by the Devils, and now seventeen to nine by the Islanders. Um, Bruce. It, even though they were losing in the previous 10-game segment, they they had more grade-A shots than, than the mm-hmm. other guys. It was a function of uh, special teams, their luck changing on special teams, their efficiency changing somewhat on special teams, and goaltending, bad goaltending for the Oilers and good goaltending for the opposition. I think that really explained that, that losing streak. Right now, though, Bruce, they're a bad team. They're not playing strong hockey. They're playing weak hockey. Maybe part of it is getting fewer power plays. I'd have to do the even strength numbers to uh, right. to break that out. But um, it ain't it ain't going on for them right now. And um, oh. they, I don't know what they're going to do about this. They gotta, you know, they they gotta come up with kind of a monumental effort. Um, I'm just doing the even strength numbers as we speak. So. Um, well, I can tell you from the overall numbers you just gave me, 17 against in one game is a lot. 17, 18, and 17 in three consecutive games is a lot. You know, what's the, what's the average that we get for a game? 10 to 12 high danger chances each way, grade A shots? Yeah. Certainly not 17. Yeah, it is not. Let me just, I'm just about done here doing these, uh, okay. whether, what, what they are at even strength, because your power play number, um, that eight to two power play thing, mm-hmm. 12. Okay, so against the Blues, um, I think it was, uh, yeah. So the Oilers, in against the Devils, the Oilers actually had 16 grade A shots at even strength. The Devils had 12. In this game, it was 12 to 9 at even strength for the Islanders. And mm-hmm. in the Blues game, it was 16 11 for the Blues at even strength. So in two games, they've been fairly decisively outchanced at even strength. And the other game against New Jersey, they fairly decisively outchanced New Jersey at even strength. So um, some of the this big deficit we're starting to see in grade A shots is coming from them not getting the same power play opportunities as the other team. And Bruce, there's nothing on this earth is going to convince me the orders have been the more aggressive fouling team in these last three games. I don't see that at all. I just think that's not that that's not what I'm seeing on the ice. Mm-hmm. That's nonsense. So, you know, your, your, your anger at this, 
penalty deficit is well justified. Good point. That was a really good number. Zero is kind of a kind of a unique number, isn't it? <coughs> yeah. I think it's the first time all year they've had zero. Most games they were getting like two, at least two token power play opportunities. It was like the league think, well, it's part of the show. Edmonton's great power play, so we got to give them at least two looks. And then now the last two, three games, one, one, zero. I just feel like swearing so much right now, Bruce. Like, but I'm really, really feel like swearing so a lot. So exasperating. I mean, <laughs> of the two power plays, one of them, I actually thought it wasn't a very good call. One of them was that face-off uh, delay of game call that was made by the linesmen. So the refs have made like one call. There was games. a trip by Bouchard earlier in the game that I think Jack Michaels pointed out that yeah. really was a trip. Yeah, well... There was an angle later. It was more, it was kind of incidental, but I mean, it could have been called and fine. If you're going to call it, set the standard. Just call it both bloody ways. Yeah. I don't think that's too much to ask. Okay. So they're Monday night in New York, Wednesday night in Toronto. Toronto. Oh, my goodness. So two tough games coming up here. Yeah. This, this road trip will be a success if they win one of those games. And um, we'll see what happens. I don't, we don't know it's with Mike Smith. If he's going to be playing or not, I guess they're going to get a little break he, after that. Go he ahead. He wasn't even dressed today, Mike Smith. I know. They Conval- had uh, Konovalov as backup because Smith had a supposed upper body injury, but he sure was flexing his leg and looked like his knee after that pile up yesterday. <coughs> the third period. Yeah, we're. It's starting to become really apparent, Bruce. They got to trade for a goalie. Even if Mike Smith is comes back and plays well him getting nicked and banged up so much um it's it's a function of age and he's not getting any younger he won't be any younger in the playoffs mike smith gets hurt in the playoffs which could easily happen then you're with koskinen and skinner and i don't think that's good enough for this team this year um i'm not content with that i think that they're going to have to make a move for a goalie this is what, you know, That's this is the message that's being driven home right now. So even if there are other, other needs at center, excuse me, at third line center, um, at um, defense, left defense, um, they've got to address the goalie situation. And probably the sooner the better. And um, maybe that means that Koskinen will be out. If, if, if Smith's back, maybe it'll be the new goalie and Smith for the rest of the year. But that, that works too. You know, if they can figure out a way to to make the uh, cap hit work, but that's what they got to do, I think. What do you think? Well, I think they got lots of problems. <clears throat> that's one of them. But they haven't got any any cap flexibility at all. It's dollar in, dollar out because of the long term injury reserve situation. They, they you know they haven't banked any cap space that they can use on a deadline acquisition. And uh, trouble is that. Um, uh, Stuart Skinner, who has showed well, next year he's no longer waiver exempt. So uh, if he's going to make the team, he's going to be, uh, you know, as a as a backup next year. Well, Mike Smith has this thing called a two-year contract that they signed him this offseason. And because he signed it beyond, well, beyond the age of 35, uh, even if he retires, the Oilers can't lose that cap hit. The only way they can is if somehow he goes on long-term injured reserve, which... The way things are going, that's certainly not impossible. But uh, um, again, there's a, a kind of a, I mean, Koskinen's contract is gone after this year, and he is too, you know. 
I mean, maybe yeah. he leaves a little early, but I don't think he'll be back. But uh, uh, the way the contracts line up now, they got Skinner and Smith, and they either take a chance with uh, with Skinner, uh, or else they, they you know, they they're going to have an extra contract on their hands. So it's uh, it's not an ideal situation to say the least. I, I like Skinner, and I, you know, I want to see him get a fair chance, and he's getting he's gotten a, he got a real good look this year. But next year, that equation changes, and how that's going to play out, uh, we'll see. Uh, it strikes me that it would be unlikely he would pass through waivers, yeah. Skinner, next year, based on the way yeah. he's played in the NHL. Yeah. So you'd be forced with waiving Smith mm-hmm. and um, sending him to Bakersfield. His contract isn't so huge that it's a, you know, it's a tremendous poison pill if you do that. So that's, that's one option. Um, as you mentioned, long-term injury, if, he's, if he continues to get banged up, is, is another. Um, we'll see what happens. But I do think they want to try to compete for the Stanley Cup this year. I think that should be their mindset. And uh, they have a first-round pick this year that they could trade. Trade it. Get a goalie. And, um, you know, see who's out there. Uh, they probably don't want to part with a first-round draft pick for a rental in terms of a goalie. So it will be someone who who will be with with competing with Skinner and Smith next year, and um, I think the Oilers probably I'm guessing have a lot enough vision that they'll find a way to keep Skinner. Um, I don't think another team would take Mike Smith on waivers. It's unlikely, if depending on what happens this year. I mean, you know, a lot could change this year if he comes back and plays lights out in the playoffs. That changes a lot. But at this point, um, that's that's the move I'm seeing because we all went into this season knowing that injuries were <coughs> going to be a major issue with could be a major issue with Mike Smith. It's turning out to be the case, and um, it's it's getting close to decision time. We're, they're not quite there, but they're close. I mean, if they got if they have to go with Koskin in the next two games because he's out, <sighs> exactly. Well, maybe he plays lights out. I mean, Koskinen is maybe capable of, of ramping it up <clears throat> and, and, and playing well for stretches. Uh, and I thought he played pretty well today, winning goal, debatable as as uh, as we've discussed. But uh, I thought he played well today. And, and you know, I, I don't hate Koskinen as a goalie, but, you know, he's he's got his limitations. And, and uh, uh, he's, uh, he's certainly proven that he he's... Uh, uh, not one that you can rely on to be the guy for an extended period of time and keep his game at a high level. He he was really hot in the first six weeks and has since then has not been at all. Like he's just been generally just cold the entire time. He he was like you say, Bruce. Like there was um, seventeen grade A shots tonight. Maybe I think eighteen actually because the last one last one you know you're deciding that's an A and that and so we'll call that an A and that's so the eighteen grade A shots he only let in three of them. You know, with 18 grade A shots, you'd expect about four goals mm-hmm. against, or maybe even five, um, if a goalie's having a, a, a rougher night, like Smith did the, the uh, previous game. And um, yeah, so he he was good. Like I I don't like if you give him a seven or something like that or an eight, like, exactly I wouldn't give him an eight. I'd give him a seven. He had a good game. Yeah, fair enough. Good game. Good game. Well, let's if leave win it. it if they win it oh, in ahead. overtime or the shootout, maybe then he gets an eight. Yeah, yeah, so, that's right. But when you you know when they lose it and it's on a shot where you think maybe he had a, ch- a chance to save it, well, that's going to affect the grade. There's no doubt. Yeah. 
All right, Bruce, you got the game game grades to finish. I'll let you do that. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening and Happy New Year, everybody. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.